David still a little bit today. I still ain't got away from that, but I hope it'll be a help and encouragement to somebody today. First Chronicles chapter number 22, while you're turning, I do uh, appreciate Brother James Hutchins. He, he was on short notice on uh, Friday night, and uh, we knew, I didn't know that we was going to have as many as we did yesterday with our widow and widowers going up to a Wilkesboro, so I got him on board late notice uh, to help uh, drive the bus up there, and I think we had 13 uh, to go up to Wilkesboro, and we appreciate our widows. Widowers, some of them weren't able to go, but just just listen up anytime that comes up. If you're a widow, widower, you're certainly welcome to go with us. And one thing I'll mention while you're turning First Chronicles 22 next Sunday after our 11 a.m. So rain or shine, we're gonna have a baptism at the Yakin River. So uh, just be ready. Listen, don't matter if it's rain or not, we're gonna get wet. And uh, so just keep that in mind. Next Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, after our 11 a.m. service, we've got several to baptize we've already spoke to. If you've received Christ and you know Christ the Savior and never been baptized by immersion, and you want to do that, just see me between now um, and next Sunday. We'll get that took care of. Just keep that in mind next Sunday. And you say, why are you going to do it next Sunday? Well, I'm going to be gone a couple weeks after that, and it's just going to get colder, so we're going to go ahead and hammer that next week. So just keep that in mind. First Chronicles chapter number 22, we're going to begin reading here in verse number 1. I'll go back and give you a little bit of background. Sort of hits a little bit along uh, one of the last messages that I preached about thou shalt not, and we'll deal a little bit more with that uh, today. Of course, David had a desire to build the house of the Lord for the Lord. It wasn't necessarily evil, it wasn't necessarily wrong for David to have that aspiration, but it wasn't the will of God for him to do that. And God told him, Thou shalt not. In First Chronicles 28, we looked about verse number 3 or 5, uh, is what God had told him through the prophet Nathan. And so it wasn't the will of God for David to build the house, but his son was going to build it. But there was still something for David to do. Now, that's important. You know, there may be a certain thing that maybe you aspire to, maybe you want to do, not necessarily an evil thing. But God just don't allow you to do it. He's got somebody else to do it, but he's still got something for all of us to do. Amen. And so we got to make sure we find out the niche or whatever, uh, find and make sure we're serving in the right capacity, the right area. And, uh, boy, I hope that, that you are. If you're not, listen, there's plenty of opportunities to serve the Lord. Make no mistake about that because, listen, there's a lot of work to do in the day and hour in which we're living. I'm going to read this whole chapter, so I'm not going to ask you to stand. But I want you to notice in your Bible, First Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 1, the Bible said, then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. Now what David is basically saying builds upon what was laid out in chapter number 21. The context is that. And of course here in First Chronicles, you'll see the, the account here where it talks about Ornan. He's also called Arun over there in Samuel. And uh, he had bought the threshing floor for 600 shekels of gold. That's what he purchased, the threshing floor. And that's where the temple was going to be built. So chapter 21 basically lays out the acquisition of the property or the site where the temple would be built. And then that springboards into chapter 22. And that's why David said in verse number 1 of chapter 22, Then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. He's talking about that piece of property that he has just purchased from Aruna or Ornan, as it is mentioned in chapter 21. This piece of land has been purchased. And look at verse 2. And David commanded to gather together the strangers that were in the land of Israel, and he set masons to hew wrought stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails, for the doors of the gates, and for the joinings, and brass in abundance without weight. 
Also cedar trees in abundance for the Zidonians, and they of Tyre uh, brought much cedar wood to David. Now look at verse 5. And David said, Solomon my son is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build an house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build an house under the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars. Thou uh, shalt not build an house under my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies round about. For his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. You can look, look up in the original Hebrew of the word Solomon. Solomon, his name literally means peaceful. And he's going to give, God's given Israel peace through the days of Solomon. And look at verse 10. He, being Solomon, shall build an house for my name. And he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, the Lord be with thee, and prosper thou, and build the house of the Lord thy God, as he hath said of thee. Only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding, and give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. Then shalt thou prosper, if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage, dread not, nor be dismayed. Now, behold, in my trouble I have prepared for the house of the Lord an hundred thousand talents of gold and a thousand talents of silver and of brass and iron without weight. For it is in abundance, timber also and stone have I prepared, and thou mayest add thereto. Moreover, there are workmen with thee in abundance, hewers and workers of stone and timber and all manner of cunning men for every manner of work. Of the gold, the silver, the brass, and the iron, there is no number. Now notice this next phrase. Arise, therefore, and be doing. Now I'll just go ahead and tell you in advance, that's what I'm preaching on this morning. Arise, therefore, and be doing is what David told Solomon to do. Arise, in other words, get up, arise, therefore, and be doing, and the Lord be with thee. Well, what if you choose to stay seated and not do anything? Well, the Lord's not going to be we. Basically, that's the alternative. Notice what your Bible said. He said, Arise, therefore, and be doing, and the Lord be with thee. David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And hath he not given you rest on every side? For he hath given the inhabitants of the land into mine hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now set your heart... And your soul to seek the Lord your God, arise therefore, there it is again, arise therefore, and build ye the sanctuary of the Lord God, to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built to the name of the Lord. And let's pray. Fathers, we bow, God, in your presence, Lord, again this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the good singing of our choir. And thank you, Lord, for the messages that's already been proclaimed through uh, the messages in song. Thank you for our Sunday school hour. And God, we thank you for the precious word of God. I thank you for First Chronicles 22. Thank you for the whole Bible.
And God, you, you speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that we'd glean something. That'd be a help and a blessing to us. I pray if there's one listening today that's unprepared, never been saved, never been born again, never trusted Christ as Savior, I pray that today would be that happy, glorious day that somebody trusts Christ. But Lord, I pray for the child of God. I pray that you'd encourage somebody. I pray that you'd challenge somebody. I pray that you'd convict somebody. Lord, would you change somebody that's already saved? And we'll be careful, Lord, at the end of this to give you praise and honor and glory for you alone are worthy. Help this preacher to decrease now that Jesus may be increased and lifted up. We're going to thank you in advance. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Well, we've read a lengthy passage, and a lot of times I don't like doing that, but there's nothing that'll help you more than the Word of God. My, my words in and of myself, I can't help you a lick, but I'm glad God's Word is inspired. It's infallible. Man, it's instructional. It'll help us along life's journey. And as we look at this, I think about as we see the acquisition of the property in chapter number 21 of First Chronicles, then in chapter number 22, David begins to love lay out some instructions for his son. He's already been told that he had the aspirations to build the house of God, but God told him through the prophet Nathan, thou shalt not. So it wasn't the will of God for David to build the temple, but Solomon was going to do it. But David still had a responsibility. And we see in verse number uh, 5, boy, what a great statement this was. In verse number 5, the Bible said, And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender in the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparations for it. So watch this. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Now there's a great application of truth that you and I better get. If we're going to do anything, we better do it before we die. Once we die, those days of preparation, opportunity, it's over with and it's gone. And life goes by swiftly. It goes by quickly. And all of us can certainly understand that and see that if you've got any, any age on you at all. But when you think about this and you look at, at what David said, he said there in verse number 5 that, that Solomon was young and tender. What was he talking about? What he was talking about is this. David had some age on him, probably over 60 years old at this particular time. And Solomon was a young man, probably around 20, a little bit older than that. Most scholars agree. That's about the age of that. Of course, David reigned for 40 years and Solomon did the same thing. But when you look at this, he was young and tender. What David was saying was he was inexperienced. And boy, that's important to our young people and to our, to our younger children that are coming up. Listen, you might think, man, that mom and dad and grandma and grandpa old school and they just don't know they do know and they've had the experience they blaze the trail that you're trying to blaze now and they've got some experience on them and it would heed for you to listen to what mom and dad says because they've had some experience now there comes a time when you get old enough you got to sort of stand on your own two legs and, and sometimes you learn by, by failures and you learn by mistakes. But Solomon was young and tender in, in the sense that he was inexperienced. He also said this, uh, the same thing in First Chronicles 29 and verse 1. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God had chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord 
God. So David said in two different passages here in chapter 22, chapter 29, that Solomon was young and tender. He was inexperienced. Even Solomon himself agreed with that, Brother Jamie. If you go back into 1 Kings chapter number 3, if you'll remember, the Bible said that Solomon loved the Lord God. He loved him with all his heart, and he tried to serve him, but he, he offered sacrifices under the high places. He went to a place called Gibeon, and there he, he, he made a sacrifice unto the Lord. And during that night uh, when he went to sleep, the Lord visited him in a dream, and he asked him, he said, What shall I give thee? And, and old Solomon, he asked for wisdom. And, un- and having an understanding heart. But listen to what Solomon said in 1 Kings 3 in verse 7. Now David had already said he was young and, expe- young and tender, meaning he was inexperienced. But Solomon himself understood that, and he recognized his insufficiencies. He recognized his frailties. He recognized that he didn't have the experience that his father had. And when God asked him, what shall I give thee? This is what Solomon said. First Kings chapter 3 and verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. What was Solomon saying? He was saying exactly, Brother Howard, what his daddy said, that he was inexperienced. Two times in chapter 22, chapter 29, David said he's young and tender. He's inexperienced. And then when God met him in a dream there in Gibeon after he had offered that sacrifice unto the Lord, he said, what shall I give thee? And Solomon's response, he said, I am but a child. What he said is I don't know whether to go in or come out. He didn't have the experience. But what he did have, David told him he could, he could get, and that was the help of the Lord. And boy, that, that, that'll preach right there, because all of us need the help of the Lord in everything we do. If you're going to do anything for God, you're going to be successful in the eyes, not of man, but in the eyes of God. You're going to have to rely on his strength and his stability. We've got to have him. But he told him something there in verse number 16. He said, Arise, therefore, and be doing, and the Lord be with thee. Told him to get up, arise, therefore, and be doing. Doing is an action word. It it involves movement. (laughs) It really does. It, It involves doing something for the Lord. Solomon, it had been revealed to him what the will of God was for his life. He was to build the temple. David couldn't do it. You can break it down this way. David initiated the building of the temple. He, you could say that he financed it with the spoils of oil. That would be certainly a, a good way of putting it. So he, he initiated it. Solomon inherited it. I mean, he had the work to do. Even David said, hey, I'll give you all this gold. I'll give you this iron. give you this brass. I'll give you all this lumber. And he said, if there's something lacking, you can add there too. Just read in the chapter that we just read in its entirety. Chapter number 22, that's what Solomon told him. If you lack, or David told Solomon, if you're lacking something, then add to it. But we could say that David initiated the work. Solomon inherited the work. But there were some workers that invested in the work. We're introduced to them in verse number 2 and 3, noted in 4. Look at verse number 2. David commanded to to gather together the strangers that were in the land of Israel. He set masons to hew wrought stones to build the house of God. So you've got masons that are getting ready to work on these these stones. Then in verse 3, And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails for the doors of the gates, for the joinings and brass in abundance without waiting. And nowhere do I find, Brother Harold, the names of those that, that helped in the iron. But David didn't do that with his own hands. He orchestrated 
But there were some workers that were invested in the work of God. Although their name is not mentioned, they had a vital place. They had a vital part in the work of God and building that temple. That ought to encourage us too, man. Your main name might not always get called. And it's sort of like you watch jerseys. I've never really been a fan of having that, having your name on the back of your jersey, man. You got to play for the team on the front, whoever you're playing for. To be a team player, there's no, there's no I in the word team, T-E-A-M. A lot of folks want to make it about me, myself, and I. But boy, I'm thankful for those that just serve God. They don't want to sound a trumpet. They don't want to pat on the back. They just go on for the glory of God and do what they can while they can, while they're still alive, and serve God. These workers invested in the work of God, and their name is never mentioned. Look at verse number 4. Also cedar trees in abundance for the Zidonians, and they of Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. So there were some folks that helped from the Zidonians, some folks that were from the area of Tyre. We don't know their name. That was not of importance. They just simply invested in the work of God. And that's what God requires of me. He wants me to invest in His work. He wants you to invest in His work. But listen, friend, we'll never do that unless we arise. Arise, therefore, and be doing. <laughs> Doing action word. There's something to be done. No excuse for anybody not to do anything for God. It might be the sim simple task of handing a gospel tract to somebody. Giving a call of encouragement. There's many ways that you and I can be a blessing unto others. It doesn't have to happen right here within the four walls. This is a place of instruction. Thank God it's a place where we can meet and we can worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. But it's a place of instruction where we get instructed outside these four walls. That's where the ministry is. And we've got to be actively pursuing, trying to do something for God while we're still here. Yeah, man, that's just, I mean, that's basic simplicity when it comes to what we're required to do. But the workers invested in the work of God. Look at verse 15. Moreover, there are workmen with, there, with thee in abundance, hewers and workers of stone and timber, and all manner of cunning men for every manner of work, of the gold, the silver, and the brass, and the iron. There is no number. Arise, therefore, and be doing. You see, there was David initiated the work. Solomon inherited the work. Now these workers, here they are, they're investing in the work of God. Now some of them might say, well, you know what? It's David's temple, and it wasn't David. It was Solomon's temple. David financed it. Solomon was the one that had it constructed, but Solomon couldn't do it by himself. David couldn't do it by himself. There was a lot of hands. <laughs> Listen now, there's a lot of hands. There's a lot of feet, there's a lot of mouths involved in communicating and getting the work done for the glory of God. But the key was they had to arise, therefore, and be doing. Now, I've got three simple points once I get there. I'm still on introduction, so you hang with me. But David admonished and he encouraged his son Solomon to obey the Lord and to finish his course. We see he, he encourages him, and in, in verse number 6, the Bible said, Then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. Notice the phrasing on that. David didn't say, man, I want you to build a house in my name. He didn't say that. He didn't say, Solomon, I want you to build a house in your name. That ain't what he said. The primary focus was, I want you to build a house for the name of the Lord. That's the focus. 
Now, sad to say, there's a lot of folks that like to build up their esteem. Remember, I keep going back to this self-aholic message that we preached not long. You say, man, what's the self-aholic if you wouldn't hear? Well, an alcoholic somebody that, that is addicted to alcohol. Workaholic, somebody that's addicted to work. Uh, a shopaholic, somebody that's addicted to shopping, maybe pocketbooks or something else. Amen. I don't know what it is, but I know this. What's a selfaholic? That's somebody that's addicted to their self. There's, if you got any age on you, you know somebody. You've met, probably met multiple people in your life that are classified as a selfaholic. They love their self. If you don't believe it, just ask them. Yeah, right. Amen. They'll tell you. Praise the Lord. They will. Well, listen, this wasn't a house to be built for David's sake and for Solomon's sake. It was for the sake of the Lord. A place where folks could come in refuge from the storm and, and to worship the God of heaven. So he encouraged him to obey the Lord. Also, chapter 28, and after I read this, I'm getting straight into the message. Watch this now. Chapter 28, in verse number 9, think about the admonition and the encouragement. That, that David gave unto Solomon here. In verse number 9 and 10 of First Chronicles 28, the Bible said, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong, listen now, and do it. And do it. Seems like he repeated himself what he said in chapter 22. Well, David has initiated the work of God. Solomon has inherited it. The workers are investing in it. And David's responsibility is to make sure that his son understands the importance of of being actively involved in the work of God. He said, man, I want you to rise. I want you to do it. He tells him again to do it there in chapter 28 and verse 10. Notice you might have to flip a page in that same chapter 28 and verse number 20. And David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. There it is again three times he's told him to do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. I like that phrase where it said, the Lord will never fail you. I love that song our youth choir sings every once in a while. Jesus never fails. That's exactly right today. He never has. He never will. He ain't going to start with me, and he ain't going to start with you. And boy, David has encouraged Solomon. He, he In chapter 21, he's, he's made that acquisition of the site where the temple would be built. David's got the aspiration of building that temple, and then the Lord Lord sends Nathan by and said, Thou shalt not do that, but you're going to have a son by the name of Solomon, and his name in itself means peaceful. He's going to have rest on every side. David, you can't build the temple. David didn't suck up, and, and he didn't need a pacifier. Uh, when God told him he couldn't do something, he said, Well, praise the Lord, I can do something. He prepared abundantly before his death. Although he couldn't physically build it, he was going to finance it. And again, we ought to be encouraged by that. God may tell us no we can't do something in a certain area but there's something for all of us to do and whatever we do anything worth doing is worth doing well <laughs> David wanted to make sure that Solomon got it but he made this statement arise therefore and be doing there's three things that David encouraged him with in 1 Chronicles 22 he's talking to Solomon 
David's getting ready to depart. And here he tells Solomon three things I believe that he wanted him to get before he left this world. David encouraged Solomon, number one, to focus on the Lord or to focus on God. Now, we've already hit this in passing, but notice what your Bible said in verse number six. Then he called for Solomon. Now, he's already mentioned in verse five that he's young and tender. He's inexperienced. David said that in chapter 29. First Kings chapter 3, Solomon acknowledged that he, he, he understood his frailties, his insufficiencies. He realized he had inexperience, so he acknowledged that, and he owned it. And then in verse 6, then he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. David is encouraging Solomon to focus on the Lord. Now, again, too many times in our culture, and even today, it is, I guess it's been like there's something inside of us that if you're not careful, you want to boast of yourself, you want to do things for yourself to be seen or to be heard. David said, don't do that. David said, I want your focus to be on the Lord. That is a message that needs to be reverberated today to every one of us. It needs to be articulated to all of us to understand and realize the work belongs unto the Lord. We are just tools that God uses at the end of the day, at the start of the day, God ought to get glory. At the middle of the day, God ought to get glory. It ain't about me. It ain't about you. It wasn't about Solomon. It wasn't about David. David wanted to make sure that Solomon understood to stay his focus on the Lord. You go into New Testament theology. What in the world did the Hebrew writer say? He said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That should be our single laser focus in this world. But it's easy to get distracted, ain't it? It's real easy to get distracted. Sort of like them horses. You know them horses? I guess the, I don't know if it's a Kentucky Derby or whatever those, uh, those, those races are, sometimes they'll put them things on the side of the horses called blinders. Why do they do that? So they don't get distracted. They can stay focused running ahead. I think sometimes it'd do Brian good. It'd do us all good to have some spiritual blinders on so we can stay focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. David wanted to make sure. He said, you got to rise, therefore, and be doing be doing something for God, but make sure when you're doing it that your focus is on the Lord. He goes on to say in verse 7, And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house under the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house under my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth. Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest. And that's Solomon. And I will give him rest about from all of his enemies round about, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give him peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. And this is what David is relaying unto Solomon. He shall build a house for my name. Not for Solomon's name, not for David's name, but for the Lord's name. I say this quite often, and it's worse again. I, I, you hear this often, but it's the truth. We learn by repetition. Sometimes we've got to be reminded over and over and over again. I still, it still blows my mind for a year and a half as a certain fellow. He's still here today, praise the Lord. But for a year and a half, I see it, and I preach, and I try to present the gospel every service that, hey, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to go through and by the Lord Jesus Christ. After a year and a half sitting underneath preaching, one Sunday morning, he came out, finally, he had a big old smile. He said, for the first time in my life, preacher, he said, the gospel makes sense. Took him a year and a half. So if I repeat myself, and maybe you've already got it. Maybe somebody else hadn't got it yet. 
Well, we got to learn by repetition. I don't even know where I was even going with that, but I know this. The Lord may give it back to say, I ain't got it wrote down, so I can't tell you. But I know this. It's important. I know where I was going with that. It's important to do something for God, right? We, we, can, we ought to say amen. It's important to be active in doing something. We ought to say amen right there. But it's also important, why do we do what we do for the Lord? In other words, what is our motivation for serving the Lord? Is it to be seen? Is it, is it selfish ambition? So, well, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to support it if I can't have a part in it or my children or my grandchildren or my, my husband. My, you know, I'll support it, preacher, but we got to be involved hands on. That's selfish. Amen. And the motivation behind it is we ought to be excited. Man, yeah, I, I guess it was Friday. I ain't had a thing to do with the clothes closet thing. I don't know how many people they serve. You think about the avenues on that. We got some new folks in, involved with, with Nathan Madison driving the vans back here. This morning I seen them the first time out by themselves picking up kids. And Wednesday night folks are working. I'm not really involved. But I say hallelujah to God that somebody's working for the Lord. Hey, I ain't got to do that. Man, I ain't going to get the poochy lip if, if Christy don't get to serve, if Garrett don't get to serve, if Gracie don't get to serve, man, I'm just happy somebody is serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm glad folks still getting saved, still getting born into the family of God. I'm still glad the church is moving forward. You know what? There's a lot of churches that are in trouble today. There's a lot of churches that ain't no harmony. They ain't no you. You ought to say thank God for Faith Community Baptist Church and what God has done. Continue to do it and thank God just to have a little small part in it you ought to say thank you lord but our focus ought to be on god that's what david was telling solomon solomon don't make it about yourself don't make it about your daddy make it about the lord that'll preach right there arise therefore and be doing it and as you're doing it have your focus on god number two one other thing he wanted to admonish and encourage him not only to have his focus on god but to remember the faithfulness of God. Look, look with me in verse 11. Now, my son, the Lord be with thee. And boy, that's good. And prosper thou. You see, if we're going to prosper, God's going to have to be with us and he's going to have to help us. Amen. And build the house of the Lord thy God as he has said of thee. Verse 12. Only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding and give thee charge concerning Israel that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. Then shalt thou prosper. If thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses, watch that, the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel, be strong and of good courage, dread not, nor be dismayed. Now, why does Solomon need encouragement? Well, I told you in verse 5, David said he was young and tender. Chapter 29 and verse 1, same thing. He's young and tender. He's inexperienced. First Kings chapter 3 and verse number 7, as God revealed to him in that dream, Solomon, what, what we asked for, he said, man, I'm but a child. I don't know how to go in or how to come out. He acknowledged his insufficiency. He acknowledged his inexperience. And here he is. He needs encouragement. So David said, focus on God, number one. Number two, Solomon, you need to remember the faithfulness of God. He said, first off, the Lord is going to be with thee, and he's the one 
that's going to prosper you. Don't forget that, Solomon. You know what? That's what Brian don't need to forget. That's what you don't need to forget. As we have the Lord with us, he's the one that's going to prosper us. He's the one that's going to help us. He's the one that, hey, listen, we live, we move. We have our being because of him. We can walk around. We have our faculties. We can think. We can see. We can hear. We can talk. We can touch. We can taste. We can smell. We can do all those things because of him. He's the one that never fails. He's the one that never runs short. He's the one that always sustains and supplies every need that mankind and and mankind as we work for him. He'll meet that need every time, all the time, and on time when we need him. But he's faithless. He mentioned Moses. David mentioned Moses on the psalm. Why did he need to know that? Because you look at the pattern of Moses' life, covered a long span. But God was faithful. He was faithful at the backside of the desert. He was faithful as they came out of Egypt. He was faithful as they faced the Red Sea. He was faithful as he, as he went up on uh, the mount there to get the laws of God. He was faithful over and over and over again. And Solomon, as he's inexperienced, he's young and he's tender by David's testimony and by Solomon's own testimony in 1 Kings 3, he was inexperienced. He needed to know. He needed to focus on God. And he needed to remember the faithfulness of God. That's applied this way. When you get involved in the work of God, whatever you do, whether it's handing a gospel track, whatever you're doing for the service of the Lord here in the church, outside the church, just remember, keep your focus on God. And remember, as we arise, therefore, and we're doing, God will be faithful. God will be faithful. This preacher will let you down. Others will let you down. But the Lord Jesus will never let you down. Solomon needed that encouragement. He needed that advice. So he told him three things. One, Solomon needed to focus on God. It ain't, it, this ain't your temple. This ain't your daddy's temple. It ain't your children's temple. This is God's temple. You need to focus on God. Boy, that'll preach. We all, no matter what we do, we better have our focus on God. Looking at Jesus, the author, finisher of our faith. We need to remember the faithfulness of God because there's times... When, when troubles may come, you may go through difficulties. You may go through obstacles in ministry. You, you may go through that time of discouragement. I believe if anybody serves the Lord at, any, at some point or the other, you're going to have a discouraging time. And there may be seasons, you know, sort of like this, sort of like the weather. I mean, it is. Ministry sort of changes like the weather. Now, the message stays the same. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, think about it. We'll go through dry stretches, and it'll stay dry. And then you go through wet periods. You're like, man, when, when's the sun going to come out? When is the sun going to come out? And then sometimes when the sun, when's it going to rain? Man, I'm glad I ain't in control of the weather, and I'm glad you ain't either. Amen. Amen. By the way, so, and they several said it was cold in here this morning. Y'all just remember this. Y'all learn by repetition. Somebody needs to be reminded of this. Two things preacher don't touch, and they both start with T. One is the treasury. Number two is the thermostat. You're going to have to tell somebody else. Amen. But the weather changes. And it does. And you go through seasons of dry spells and wet spells. Ministry would be the same way. That ain't time. Listen, somebody needs this, I guess, or wouldn't pray. It ain't time to raise the white flag of surrender and throw in the, it's time to buckle down. It's time to rise, therefore, and be doing. Hey, it may be difficult. It may be tough. People may not understand. People may say things to you. People may do things to you. In ministry, it's tough because you're always dealing with people. But press on for the glory of God. Arise. Don't stay down. Don't lay down. You might be discouraged. You might have to do like David did. He encouraged himself in the Lord. There's a brighter day coming. There's a sweeter day on the horizon. If we just stick with the stuff, we stay our focus. Focus on God. Remember, he'll be faithful. But number three, Solomon 
got this message from his daddy. You got to focus on God. Remember the faithfulness of the Lord. But he reminds him to finish, or, or the, uh, he reminds him about the finances from God. Three things. Focus on God. Do remember that God will be faithful. But Solomon, I want you to remember the finances. Remember David initiated the work. Solomon inherited the work. The workers invested in the work. Well, where did those finances come from? You can trail it all the way back to the spoils of war. All the victories that David had... David didn't rely on the arm of the flesh to get those victories. He didn't win those battles by the arm of the flesh. It was because of the Lord. The Lord had gave victory after victory after victory during David's reign. And as they would get those victories, they would jump on the spoils of war. And they would collect the silver and the gold and the iron and the brass. And all those materials were stockpiled. Where did it come from, preacher? It didn't come from David. He didn't come from Solomon. It come from the hand of Almighty God. David wants Solomon to understand that. You need to focus on God. As you arise, therefore, and you do it, you need to remember you need to keep your focus on God. It ain't about you. It ain't about your daddy. It's about the Lord. You need to remember the faithfulness of God just like he helped Moses. Man, he's going to be with you. He's going to prosper you, and he's going to help you. Then he said, Solomon, I want you to remember the finances that are here. I prepared abundantly before I'm getting ready to die. But I want you to know that it come from the hand of God. Notice the resources that he had to work with. Look at verse 14. I'm about done. Now, therefore, or now behold, in my trouble, I prepared for the house of the Lord an hundred thousand talents of gold and a thousand talents of silver and of brass and iron without weight. I mean, it couldn't even be measured. It couldn't even be weighted. Uh, he goes on to say, for it is in abundance. Timber also and stone have I prepared, and thou mayest add thereto. So he's saying, listen, if you're lacking something, you can add to it. Well, where, where's he going to pull his resources from? From the same God that gave all this up. Yeah, man. That supplied it all. Look at verse 15. Moreover, there are workmen with thee in abundance, hewers and workers of stone, and timber and all manner of cunning men. For every manner of work of the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, there is no number. Now, somebody might just look at that and you say, well, I don't see where God furnished that. Well, you better rest assured God did furnish that. Amen. Amen. He's the source of everything that we have. <laughs> Again, it goes back to the same old statement that I make quite often. We can trace all of our ancestry back to dirt. We ain't got nothing to boast about. Listen, he, he took up a dust, piece of dust one day in Genesis chapter number 2. And he breathed in the nostrils, breath of life, and man became a living soul. We can trace our ancestry. How about this? The, the DNA and all that, you can trace it right back to dirt. Amen. That's where we come from. But listen, all, everything we have belongs to the Lord. The finances that have come, this gold, this silver. And David is encouraging his son Solomon to focus on God. I'd encourage you today, if you serve the Lord, keep your focus on him. Amen. Keep your focus on Him. Understand the faithfulness of God. God was faithful with Moses. He was faithful with Gideon. I mean, all of them down through Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, all the, the, the Nehemiah, the, the Johns, the, the Peters, the Pauls. God was faithful. And we look back and we got a record of 66 books from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. A record of God's faithfulness. We got to keep our focus on Him. We got to remember His faithfulness. And we got to remember the finances from God. God finances every work. This is worth hitting, by the way. 
Now listen, other folks do this. Again, I'm not throwing rocks, but we just don't do it. We're not planning, Brother Kevin, on having no bake sales or a pie sale or a donut sale. Now, I understand some folks do that. I guess they got to do what they got to do. But to finance God's work, it comes through God's people. We don't go to the devil's crowd and say, hey, we need, we need some money for the work of God. No, we go to God's people, and we don't even pass the offering plate unless we've got a special offering. We've got a box in the back where the tithes and offerings go in. That's where that money is pulled. That's where, but where does it come from? You say, well, hey, I worked hard. Who do you think give us the strength to get up in the morning and the grace and the ability to go to work? And then we give a tenth, a tithe of our offerings unto the storehouse, which is a local church, and then you're your offers, which is anything above the tithe, comes to the house of God. That's how it, the, the, the church is run. That's how God's work is financed. Amen. We don't go to the devil's church. But at the end of the day, it's his. <laughs> you see, you give, again, we, we think about giving. We give unto the work of God. The Bible talks about our tithes. Bring ye all the tithes to the storehouse. There may be meat in mine house. Prove me now here with saith the Lord of hosts, for I will not open you the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. Malachi 3 and verse number 10 tells us that. A lot of times we've got to get over this mentality that, man, it's my money. It's not our money, it's God's money. <laughs> you say, man, now wait a minute. How do we go from, from staying focused on God and, and the faithfulness of God to the finances of God? It's His. That, that tenth belongs to Him. It all belongs to him, by the way. I remember years ago, man, I used to have this idea when we first got married. And, and uh, I mean, listen, we were saved, but we were inexperienced and immature. And my thought was this, Brother Howell, man, I can't afford to give. I looked at the bills, and they said, ain't no way. I said, I can't afford to give. And now what I've realized is I can't afford not to give. Amen. Miss out on the blessings of God. But it's all his anyways. All folks say, well, I'm going to give my, that's my money. That's, no, no, when, when you turn it over, it's God's money. It's God's money before you turn it loose. When you turn it loose, it's God's money. Amen. A lot of folks don't get that concept, but that's a fact. When you think about the work of God, God told Solomon, Solomon was told by his father, David, his sister Savannah comes. He said, David, I've initiated the work. I prepared a bundle before my death. I've done all I can do. Now I'm passing the baton. I'm passing the torch. I, I prepared. Now it's time for you to press on to pick it up. And to press on, you've got to take that baton. You've got to run with it. The work we're doing right, right now, did you know that we're building on other foundations where folks have labored before us, Brother Harold? We're building on this foundation. We're sowing and sowing. We're reaping what other men have sown on. You read John 4, verse 37, 38. It lays that out crystal clear. One man sows, another man will reap. But at the end of the day, it's not the man that sows, the man that reaps to get the glory. It's God that gets the glory at the end of the day. But we're to press on with a focus in mind of the Lord and the faithfulness of God. Some of you may be, I have no idea. Maybe you're discouraged today. Maybe you just feel like you're just running on fumes. Hey, listen, tap into a source. You've got to arise. You've got to be doing. You've got to press on for the glory of God. But remember, at the end of the day, the finances, everything that had been provided for Solomon, it originated from God. Solomon inherited that thing. The workers invested, the greatest investment you'll make in life is how you instill the Word of God in them, in people. doesn't matter if you're children, your co-worker. I mean, listen, this thing's winding down. The opportunity we have is found in verse number 5. David prepared abundantly before his death, and that was it. 
His work was done. My work will be done one day. I have a space till now, till I close my eyes in death. You got a space till you close your eyes in death for us to do something for God. David told his son, Arise, therefore. Get up! Arise, therefore, and be doing. Why? Well, because death is on our trail and it's coming. You're going to do anything for God, you better go ahead and do it. As we stand all over the house, let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to expound the truth of your word today. Lord, I've done my best, God, to empty myself of the message of the hour. And God, I pray for that. And I may be here today, Lord, it wasn't a salvation message. Lord, this is a message to God's people. Lord, if there's one here today never prepared for eternity, God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray for every child of God that's in here today. Lord, would we be encouraged? I pray for that, and they may be discouraged. Oh, we don't get weary of the way, but sometimes we get weary in the way. And I pray for that, when they may just be uh, just need a shot in the arm. Lord, help us to see from the page of Scripture that we are to arise. Therefore, and be doing. Help us to remember our focus to be on you. Help us to remember your faithfulness. Help us to remember the finances. Lord, you finance your work. And God, I'm thankful for all you've given us, the talent, the time, the treasure. But God, would you move during this invitation time as only you can. Help your people. We'll be careful to give you thanks and praise for we ask it in Jesus' name. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, 
and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, if you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.